Grab your pen and notebook, guys, because today's episode is going to be a goodie. I am really excited to share this Q&A with you. It's a little bit of a different structure to my usual podcast episodes, but there are some really juicy topics in this uh, discussion that I wanted to share with you. And this conversation is actually a recording taken from a live Q&A that I did in my Facebook group. My Facebook group is for my students, the paid uh, members in my program program. And for those of you who aren't familiar with my course, The Dishing Up Digital School, this is a course that teaches you everything you need to know about becoming a social media manager from A to Z, everything from booking your first client to executing content, creating really good strategy for clients, all the way through to the boring stuff like invoicing and accounting and contracts. We also have amazing guest speakers, all of that good stuff. There's over 60 video lessons in the course, as well as you get access to my Facebook group. And this is where you get the live support. We do live Q and A's. I do video audits of your PDFs, of your packages and prices. This is where you can network with other students as well. Talk about anything that you're going through. And it is seriously, seriously amazing. Although I'm a little bit biased because I created it, but <laughs> I think it's awesome. And I wanted to give you guys some insight into what it's like to be part of one of those live Q&As in the group. So we're going to take the recording and this is something that I did. This is from last year. So from November 2022, but obviously all the information is still relevant. Some of the things that we discussed in this Q&A is should I charge an extra fee for a brand new client who does not have any existing social media pages, i.e. a setup fee? Uh, how I organize my own Instagram content, how to edit and schedule client reels and download audio using a third party app or editor. We also touched on pitching, getting blind discovery calls and when to follow up on cold pitches. So a whole variety of different topics here. And I hope some of this is really helpful for you guys. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to catch the next episode. And if you want to find out more info about the Dishing Up Digital School, there is a link below. I'll also pop a link below my free webinar, which may or may not have a very sneaky discount code for the Dishing Up Digital School. So if you're on the fence about signing up, it's a great way to test run my coaching style a little bit further, learn some really awesome things and also get a discount. I don't usually tell people that there's a discount because it's like a fun little surprise for those that watch the full webinar, but it's in there. Go check it out. And yeah, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Dishing Up Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Alan, a former nine to five escapee turned six figure business owner. This is your place to learn everything there is to know about building your dream life and career as a social media manager. Whether you're just starting out and feeling lost and confused, or you want to take your current business to the next level and double your income, this is the podcast for you. Social media is such a powerful platform and it's enabled me to book out my services and smash the six-figure milestone with only 3,000 Instagram followers. So grab a cup of tea, coffee, a glass of rosé with me, and let's turn those dreams into a reality. I wanted to start with Anne's question here. If you're onboarding a new client that is starting a new business slash project, would you charge them any differently if they don't have any social media accounts set up yet? Meaning you'd have to set up, connect the Facebook, etc. If so, what kind of extra fee would be appropriate for that? I normally charge an onboarding fee, but I find taking over an account much easier than creating a whole new one. You are exactly right, Anne. <laughs> it is a lot more effort if someone doesn't even have an Instagram page or 
even the little things like making sure your Instagram page is connected to your Facebook for auto sharing and all of that stuff. These are all extra steps that take time. So definitely charge an additional fee. But something else that I also offer to new accounts or new businesses that I work with is also a more in-depth strategy session because often these clients come to you and they don't really have any idea what they're doing in their business yet, right? <laughs> they're still figuring things out. They may not even have a super solid idea of their content strategy, of their kind of marketing rollout, of what products need promoting, of what order things are going to roll out, what kind of content they need of certain products or services that they're launching. And I personally find with those clients, I end up going into a lot of meetings. Like you have a meeting and another Zoom meeting because they're still figuring things out because they don't have anything on social media yet. They haven't tested anything. They haven't started. So what I offer is a social media strategy and setup session. So that's where we jump on Zoom together. And it's very similar to the, or basically the same as the strategy sessions that I show in the Dishing Up Digital School and that module that talks about strategy after onboarding your clients. And it's basically like a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call with a presentation. We go through competitors, we go through content ideas, we go through the ideal audience, what kind of content we need, all of those little things. And then it gives us a really nice place to have a conversation around how we're going to approach their social pages and how we're going to launch. And honestly, I would lean towards offering a service like this for completely new people um, because it's really valuable and it gets them also really excited about working for you. And you are now making a good extra chunk of change on the work you're doing to set up an entirely new business on social. So for a package like that, I've charged anywhere between 700 to 900 USD. And that is just for the strategy and setup. And that then comes on top of my first month of actually managing it. So for example, I've had a client that has opted for this. So we've had the 700 USD session and then they were on a $1,000 USD package, monthly social media management package and they signed up for three months. So I've gone from making $1,000 off that client that month to making almost 2,000, which is a really, really great way to increase your prices and just get making like a little bit more of like a, a premium price off your clients. And you're exactly right that onboarding a client when they have nothing to, for you to work with is a really big project to undertake. So don't be afraid to um, charge a higher price like that. I hope that answers your question. If you don't want to do the strategy session, you just want to add an additional setup fee. That could honestly be anywhere between like, I don't know, like anywhere between $100 to $300. It really depends on you how much work this client really needs in terms of setting it all up and if they're going to be on Facebook, if they're going to be on Instagram, all of those things. Um, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea. Okay, Sheena's questions. Do you plan out your own content? How do you go about it? Do you have a Trello board for your personal brand? Have you had people book calls and not pitch? How do you handle that? Um, and then how would you respond to this cold pitch? Okay, let's start with people booking calls and you haven't pitched to them. I think that's what you're asking here. Have you had people book calls and not pitch? Yes, so this is when someone like somehow finds your booking link. If you've got it linked in your bio, 
and they book kind of what I call like a blind discovery call. Like there's someone who hasn't messaged you, who hasn't emailed you, you haven't reached out to them. And this does happen every now and then. And it's actually why once I kind of had a good base of clients, I took my booking link out of my link in bio because I didn't want people to be able to just book in and talk to me because I found myself in the scenario where I jump on a call. And I remember thinking once that this person was applying to, um, wanted a discovery call to talk about my courses to become a social media manager. And I got on and I was like, hi, like, how's it going? Like, I'd love to chat to you about what encouraged you to book a call today, which is my go-to if they haven't sort of <laughs> contacted me before. And I remember this lady was like, I don't think we should start with that. I think we should start talking about you. What can you do for me and my business? And I just remember being so thrown because I was like, I don't even know what your business is. And it was a very weird discovery call. I did not end up accepting that client. They were a lawyer looking to start their own Instagram page, um, which maybe explained the weird questions and like feeling like I was being interrogated. <laughs> but after that, it was kind of like a learning curve for me, realizing that I wanted to really screen the people that I was taking on to my discovery calls. Now, one way to do this is having a Q&A with your discovery call booking. So people have to fill out a form to then be able to book a call with you. This is what I've done with other contractors that I've hired. I opted to just keep my booking link to myself and then hand it out to people who contacted me and asked me for it. Um, and that's my approach. But if you guys are hustling, trying to get your first few clients, I would recommend just taking that risk and putting your link, uh, your booking link in your bio and see if you can get some of those blind bookings. Um, I think it's a good way for you guys to practice, to get experience, even if you don't end up booking that client. It is more difficult. So maybe having some questions added to your booking link could be really helpful for you. But in saying that, I have had questions on my booking link and people just don't answer them. <laughs> they just like leave them blank and then book the call, which is annoying. Okay. Do you have a Trello board for your personal brand? So this kind of links into the previous questions about do you plan out your own content and how do you go about it? So for those of you who have done my course, Get the Gram, you guys will have seen my Trello board that I was using at the time that I created that course. So my approach to planning my own Instagram page is a little bit different now. And I will say I don't plan it out in far, far as advanced as I used to, simply because I have more time to spend on my Instagram these days. Like I've kind of made that an important part of my business. When I was starting out, when I was in your guys' shoes, I didn't have all that time, right? I had clients to work with. So that was where I was preparing things like three, three, six, nine, nine posts at a time, um, making sure I had all of the captions in here. But as I was saying now, it's a little bit more fluid because I have that extra time to be a little bit spontaneous and because not to, to what's the word? Not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but I also am really good at writing and creating Instagram content now. I've been doing this as my sort of job for almost four years since I started hustling. hustling? Side hustling was almost four years ago, three years full time next month. So for me, it's really easy to put together a Canva graphic really quickly. So now I tend to only prepare my content about a week in advance, unless the only exception for that is if I have a launch. So if I have a really important um, 
launch for a specific new course or product. You guys know I did my free webinar the other week. And for that, I plan everything out a bit more in depth. So I highly encourage you to start some kind of personal Trello board or ClickUp board or Asana board, whatever it is you want to do. Start one for yourself so you have this catalog of content for your own business. Start building that up so then next year you can be repurposing. When things get busy in your business, you can be like, oh, sweet, let me just repost this caption. So it's all about working smarter, not working harder. Sheena, how would you respond to a response from a cold pitch after they responded like this? I'm sorry for the delay. I have a contract with a company to deal with my social media. The contract is for three months. Until then, I can't do anything. When the contract is done, I'll get back to you and we can go from there. <laughs> That's an interesting one. <laughs> so that would indicate that they're not very happy with their current social media manager. Uh, that would indicate that they are interested in your services, but it's kind of odd because they haven't explicitly said like, oh, I love your stuff. Like, I really want to hire you. They're just like, I can't do anything. I'll get back to you and we can go from there. I would flag this email, maybe even put a little date in your calendar for three months time. And you can always go back and check in with this person. However, they don't sound super excited or super interested, like overly interested in your services. So what I would do is just keep pitching and kind of like move on from this. Again, it's important not to get too attached to the businesses that you pitch to guys, because not everyone's going to be yes. And we can't bank on this person saying yes to your services in three months time. I've had the scenario where I've cold pitched to someone and they came back and they're like, I currently work with another social media agency. However, I'm not really loving their work at the moment. And I really like your pitch. And I like your examples that you've given me. So we ended up jumping on a phone call together. We chatted it through and she was like, yep, yeah, I'm keen to hire you. I can start with you in one month because I have to give four weeks notice to this other agency. And that's what we did. I got her locked in with a contract. I got her locked. I think I locked her in with a... Um, like a deposit as well, just to really make sure we were all ready to go. And she gave notice to her other agency. So that's an example of a scenario where someone is working with someone else, but they do want to change and work with you. And that can happen. And that's totally awesome. But I think that's quite different to how this person has responded, right? Like you can see the difference. Like we set up a call, we got it all rolling. Whereas this person's like, I'll contact you in three months. So I wouldn't bank on them. However, good thing to note in your calendar, if you do want to re revisit it, you don't know what could happen. It may end up working out in the end. Okay, Lewis's question. Have you ever scheduled reels? Oh, I saw this question and I was like, this is a great one. <laughs> Let's discuss. Seems like I have to post it manually every time because that's how it's done so far. Or is it possible to schedule through Creator Studio? As you guys know, if you have watched the lessons in the Dishing Up Digital School on scheduling, I'm actually quite the fan of posting manually. I find that if I schedule everything out in advance, I often forget about the account, right? I like to actually be actively logging into my client's account, putting up a post, double checking DMs, comments, tags, all of that kind of thing. I think it's a quite a good habit to get into. But the whole idea and that, well, that's what I've talked about in this lesson, if you guys have watched it, is preparing the content in advance, right? So when it comes to my reels, they're already edited all, if it's a montage, it's all synced to a certain audio, the audio is being chosen. Uh, sometimes I've added the text, other times I've just written out like, oh, add a line that says X and here's my caption. 
So for me, manually posting is really easy and achievable because I've done all the prep work. It's just a matter of downloading, copying, pasting, posting, right? I also have the audio linked. So I make sure I'm not just like re-uploading my own audio. I'm jumping onto that, that one. Uh, in other cases where I haven't chosen the audio, I've just put TBC and it might just be a simple product shot. Uh, maybe if it's my skincare client washing my face. And I've edited it like a month ago and I just want to choose a song that might be kind of trending at the moment, you know, just choose a song that's been popular that week. So there is flexibility there. Um, but most of the time they are prepped in advance. And I know this links nicely to the next question, which is about editing reels. So editing them with InShot or CapCut, I just don't get it. I've been editing all my reels in the Instagram app myself and have the drafts there. Would you say the Instagram app is more difficult or just more complicated and stuff? That's what people always tell me, ha ha, but I just don't get third-party apps. How do you add the audio? How do you sync up transitions, etc.? So I wanted to kind of walk through my workflow a little bit when it comes to editing reels. Again, if you guys have my reels and photography course, GramCam, which I know a couple of you do, there is a more in-depth tutorial in there. And if you guys are interested in signing up for that course as well, just send me a DM on Instagram and I can hook you up with a discount. So when it comes to editing verse in the Instagram app versus on an external editor, my whole thing is that you are a little bit limited editing on your phone on the Instagram app. Does anyone else sit there like dragging video clips and then they're like, ah, no, my finger slipped, like trying to get them all to end on the exact same millisecond? It's hard. It's just so much effort dragging with your finger, right? And it's the same with trying to like place text. And the reason why I like using external editors is because as a social media manager, I'm editing like a group of, of reels at once, quite a few at once, either for one client, for a couple of clients, for a client and for myself. And it's just not time efficient for me to be working on my phone like that. And when it comes to other apps on your phone, the reason people use those is because they have better editing functions. So it's not actually that Instagram as the editing app is more complicated. It's actually that it's too simple and it's a little bit clunky. It's a little bit harder to use. My favorite app for editing on my phone to make life easier is CapCut. Highly recommend this app. Um, I think it is fantastic and super user-friendly. Plus it's got lots of really good, like just kind of really small editing functions that are just su super handy. Like the split tool, like I can drag it to a certain time and then split it. And you actually have like a timeline of any sort of text and animations and you can kind of visually see um, bars of like these are my images or these are my clips this is my audio this is my text and it's just a lot easier this is why you see a lot of people on TikTok talking about CapCut if you want specific CapCut tutorials and hacks I learned all mine off TikTok there's some great tutorials on there that people share and then for me I personally will most of the time probably nine times out of 10, or at least for all of my clients, I will edit them on my computer. This is purely because I'm a lot faster at doing that. Um, it's also because I get tired of looking at a tiny phone screen all day. It's much nicer for me to be sitting up in my comfy chair, looking at my computer. 
And in terms of the process and workflow, like you were asking about audio when it comes to using third-party apps, what I did with this to get the audio, which you can see here, is literally just jump onto Instagram. Then I open up a third-party downloader. So this is just basically a website to download Instagram videos, copy the link. It's called inflash.com. They do a whole bunch of various downloaders and other services, but I literally just use their Instagram downloader. I also use it sometimes to download people's profile pictures, which is quite handy. But basically what this does is it gives you a copy of the video and you download that and chuck it into Premiere Pro. You could do this on your mobile if you want to edit in CapCut. You drop the link in there, you press download. And then in Premiere Pro, you can like extract the audio. Um, you just have to make sure this is switched off, which is your linked section. If you're in CapCut, you basically just click on the audio and then there's a button that says extract, sorry, click on the video. And then there's a button that says extract audio, which means you're basically just trying to unlink the audio from the video so that you can just use the video. I find this is how you do get really good, like on the beat montages or really good lip syncing because even if you screw it up when you're filming <laughs> you can fix it in post editing so as you guys know again I go through this workflow much more in depth than gram cam in my reels and photography course but I film my reels by putting my camera on pressing record and then I'll be I'll say the line like a few times I'll give myself a few chances I'll be like what's your drink of choice and then I'll take that file and then trim it down to fit the audio instead of trying really hard myself in Instagram to try link my words with the audio, if that makes sense. Instead, I'm linking the audio to my words. But to answer your question, Lewis, like you just need to make sure that you're using an app like Inflact. Honestly, there's so many. For TikTok, I use SS TikTok and you just download it, get the video file, extract the audio, edit it up. And in terms of adding text, this is when I might airdrop them back to my iPad, pop them into the Instagram editor, then add the text and then save it as a draft, but also download a file and send that to my client for approval or load it into their Trello board. Otherwise, I will add the text in when I go to post it. The reason why I most of the time, nine times out of 10, add the, the, the text in Instagram is it makes it look really native to the app rather than using a whole bunch of different fonts and making it look almost like too commercial and too much like an ad. This I just find gets the best engagement. If you guys want to know more about Reels, there's obviously the lesson in the Dishing Up Digital School. And I also did a tra training the other month um, where I went through my entire Reels workflow for a client. So jump into the Facebook group and just pop Reels into there maybe. Okay, back to the questions. Do you follow up on your pitches if you don't get an answer or is that not worth the effort? Absolutely worth the effort, I believe. Um, business owners, I say this all the time, business owners are busy people. <laughs> right? They have a lot going on, especially if they don't have a social media manager, right? If they're the solopreneur, if they're side hustling even. So sometimes they might see a pitch come through. I know I do this all the time as well. And I'll be like, oh, this person looks cool. Let me get back to her later. And then... Pfft, just slips my mind. <laughs> I just go on doing other things. So never be afraid to follow up. What I kind of stick to as a general rule of th th thumb is do it five to seven days after the initial email. I'll send in a follow up because you don't want to do it like 
two or three days after that really annoys me when people do that to me because you know again I could just be on my to-do list like ah, oh, I get their pitch on maybe like a Wednesday but I'm super busy and I'm like oh, I'll get back to that on Friday when I kind of round out the week um, and I'm finished all my client work and then they'll message me on Thursday being like hey did you read my pitch and I'm like give me a hot second I am busy <laughs> so if someone doesn't reply to you I want you to guys to not take it personally and think of that scenario they could just be super busy and not have time to reply to your email, which might seem like a really small thing to you, but it is time consuming when you're, get, when you're a business owner and you're getting a lot of emails. So follow up within five to seven days and just keep it as like a super simple follow up. Just be like, hey, Amber, I just wanted to follow up on my email to you last week. Um, I'm still really interested in working with you. Please see below with my initial pitch and my attached PDF. Let me know if you have any questions or if you'd like to jump on a Zoom call to discuss this further. Thanks, Amber. Or oh, thanks, Ellen. <laughs> so just keep it really short, really simple. And then my general approach is if they don't reply to your follow-up, just kind of cut them off your list. Just kind of leave them be. They are probably not the right people for you, unless it's like your absolute dream client. You love them. You really, really want to work with them. Maybe do like a third follow-up a couple of weeks later and just, just try your luck. But absolutely don't be afraid to send a follow-up to your pitch. Just don't be super annoying. <laughs> Cool. I think that's all of the questions. But yeah, I hope you guys are having a really awesome week and that you have a lovely weekend planned ahead. And yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Bye, guys.